Um, and this passage from Paul, I think, is particularly appropriate for this day. Listen to the word of God. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal, towards the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And I've often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it's from there that we are expecting the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to him. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our eyes and our hearts that through your word proclaimed, we may encounter you, the living Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think goals can be helpful things. Um, today is what the New, today the New York Marathon. And yeah, so there's people who have been working really hard for a long time to, to get there. I always, um, I'm, I'm not... Well, yeah, right now, these hips, I'm barely a walker, let alone a runner. Uh, I'm looking forward to those getting better. But I, I really respect those folks who work so hard at that. And, and again, I, I think about the story I told about Barry. Uh, I was so proud when he used to finish. He would be so far behind everyone else, but he finished. And I think that was a powerful thing. And goals can help us do that. Um, in your spiritual life, you know, Setting a goal to pray more regularly, reading your Bible daily, doing more service. I mean, it's a stewardship season. So it's a great opportunity to think about what's really important to you. And our goals should reflect our values. But what is our ultimate goal as people of faith? Well, it's to be with God, the prize of the heavenly calling. And I think that's something that in some traditions it's emphasized and overemphasized in a way that's unhealthy. That this is life is just about seeing if I can get a reward, you know, that I'm trying to get a reward at the end of the day. Or, you know, I grew up in a tradition where you got, you know, they talked about hell a lot. So the goal was not to go to hell and, and go to the good place, right? That was kind of the goal. <clears throat> but I think that because we don't quite know how to talk about heaven, and that's actually a good thing. If you don't know how to talk about heaven, you're probably closer to the truth 
than people who seem to have a sign, think what they, what's going on there. But really, the most basic definition of heaven is to be with God. And that's really the goal of our life here and now. I mean, I, I, thought, I told the story of Barry. I, I think of a good friend of mine who battled brain cancer. She was a doctor. And her, and her goal was, first of all, to walk again after she had lost uh, the ability to do that. She even practiced medicine after recovering from this. I saw her jump a fence. Her husband was the head coach of Drexel Lacrosse. And I was at the game they beat Virginia, never beaten Virginia before. And a year and a half after she had had brain surgery, she jumped a fence to go celebrate with that team. But I was also with her when the cancer came back. And she had fought hard and she had run a good race. And the last time I really talked to her, about a week before she died, she looked up and smiled. And she goes, I'm okay. I'm going home. Now, this is a person who loved life. This is a person who's a brilliant doctor, uh, a wonderful mom, a great, a great wife, a great friend. And yet, her goals were always kind of centered by the fact that I, I can do this if God is with me. I think once a month, I say something like this, that there are only like three stories that have ever been written. Tragic love, right? Romeo and Juliet's kind of classic, that one. Fighting against evil and death or fighting against the gods, right? Or going home. And the first and maybe greatest story ever produced in Western civilization was the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey. And there's this great line that Odysseus says, Nevertheless, I long, I pine all my days to travel home and see the dawn of my return. And if a God will wreck me yet again on the wine-dark sea, I will bear that too, with a spirit tempered to endure. Much have I suffered, labored long and hard by now in the waves and wars, and this to the total, bring the trial on. In other words, he hadn't lost sight of his ultimate goal in the midst of all the craziness that was trying to get back home. I mentioned this, I think, last week or the week before the quote from Kierkegaard. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That's part of what All Souls Day is about. Okay. We know where all this is going. And we remember those we love who are already there. But that's not to be morbid. It's not to be fatalistic. It's okay for it to be sad a little bit. But because we believe where we're going is to help us how to live today, to live forward. Heaven is as much about how we should live here now than it is an eternal destination. And it's important, and St. Paul is really good at this, because the Christian life is lived in all tenses. Our salvation is rooted in an historic event that was conceived before time itself. 
I grew up in a tradition where they used to ask you, when were you saved? Some of you maybe know that. When were you saved? I have a date in my Bible because they kept asking me and I needed a date. All right, so I have a date in an old Bible of mine. Okay. But the real answer to when you were saved was around 30 AD. That's, that's about, that's right. That's, and so it's, it's, our, our hope is secured in an event in the past, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it's something that we're working out. It's a present participle as well, right? As a matter of fact, the Bible talks more about being saved than the past tense. And there's also a sense that we will be. And that's what Paul's talking about today. I mean, he uses the language from the Olympics. He uses the language from athletic contest that took place in the Greco-Roman world. I press on, okay, towards the honor. It's the imagery of a race. Not that I've already obtained this, but I reach on, I press on to take hold of what Christ has taken hold of me. We talked a lot about this in Bible study. To be a child of God is for God to have a hold of you. Okay. Now, sometimes we like that, sometimes we don't. I've told this story before. When my boys, I can remember my boys throwing a temper tantrum. And I always thought temper tantrums were just stupid. Because you're just hurting yourself, you look ridiculous. Stop throwing a temper tantrum. Okay. That's how I talk to my two-year-olds. That maybe says a lot. I don't know. But I say, all right, you're being ridiculous. Stop it. And I would pick them up real quick. They, I would pick them up before they knew what hit them. And I would hold them tight. And sometimes, because, you know, a toddler is not the brightest species of our species, they would beat against me and they would hurt themselves. And I would say, you're being ridiculous. You're hurting yourself. Don't hurt me. And then eventually they'd surrender, right? And the anger would turn to cuddle, right? I miss those days. They're like 6'3". It's hard to get them up on my shoulder nowadays. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they would do a lot of harm if they were thrashing around now, right? right? But you get the point. And sometimes, so God holds us, whether we like it or not. And, you know, some of us spend our whole life just, you know, knocking our head against the wall. But the goal is for us to take hold of God like God holds us. A runner once said this, it's an anonymous runner said this, the race always hurts, expect it to hurt. You don't train so it doesn't hurt, you train so you can tolerate it. I had a good friend of mine who was a cross-country runner. He kept trying to recruit me to run. I go, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> I told him. And I said, besides, I, I, can't, I, I, I'm not in, I can't get in as good shape as you are. He goes, the only difference between you and me is I can get more tired than you can. This is kind of an interesting thing to think about, right? Marathons are about how tired you can get and keep on keeping on, right? Today we celebrate all souls, remembering all those in the faith who have died. And heaven is not 
ultimately about reward. I mean, that's part of it, but it's about completeness, becoming what we were ultimately created to be. It's a place, and I don't like to call it a place in the same way you and I think of place, but it's a place where all will be well. Boy, do, do we need places where all will be well. I think about the personal losses. I think of families who lost grandmother and mother this week, fathers, friends, grandfathers. But we think about the unspeakable tragedy that's happening in southern Israel, in Gaza, Nepal, Ukraine, Mexico. And, and we long for a place that will be well. And that's what heaven is about. The Christian life is living in heavenly spaces here. If heaven is being with God forever, then the goal is here to practice the presence of God. If heaven is a place where all God's children are one, then we create spaces of mercy, acceptance, and grace here. If heaven is where sin and death no longer reigns, then we try to create spaces of holiness and life here. There's a great line in Julius Caesar, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, where they're you know, plotting uh, the assassination of Caesar. And Ligarius uh, says this to Brutus. Bid me run and I will strive with things impossible. Bid me run and I will strive with things impossible. Paul says, therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Striving for things impossible means that we cling and we trust and what's impossible for us is possible for God. I think as a Christian, we need to take death and suffering seriously. We can't turn away from the evil and pain in this world. But we also have hope. The names we will remember today, we believe are more alive than they've ever been alive. And that's not an idea to escape the suffering of this world, but it is an idea to give us enough courage to live life. Because we believe death does not have the final word in this life, we actually can live and embrace life to its fullest. Not that I've already achieved this, but I press on that I may grab hold of Christ as he has hold of me. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. I invite you to stand and say with me what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed.